0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Elise Unfiltered podcast. Today is Wednesday, September the 28th, and we have a banger show, a hot show today. (laughs) My guest is none other than Anne Marie McQueen, who is the founder and host of the podcast Hot Flash Inc. Yep. She is a journalist doing the research and asking the questions that you don't have time for all about menopause and perimenopause. How's your energy level, your sleep, your brain function? Heard of frozen shoulder, burning tongue, bleeding gums? Those types of questions. Those are just some of the dozens and dozens of symptoms of peri and perimenopause and menopause as we transition. Otherwise known as the other puberty, second childhood, hell on earth. <laughs> It's never too early to find out all about it. So whether you are, and even men, let's let's face it here, men need to know these things too. <laughs> whether you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, this is a conversation that is for you. Again, Anne-Marie McQueen, she's a journalist of 25 years and has experienced covering all sorts of health topics. She brings a light tone and she's hilarious. <laughs> This is a longer episode, but trust me, there is a lot of gold. And learning about these challenges, like any challenges, many, many women say life is better on the other side. Fun fact, by 2025, 1.1 billion women will be going through menopause. So wherever you are, let's go. Here's my guest, Anne-Marie McQueen. Anne-Marie, thank you so much for being on the show today. (laughs) How are (laughs) you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. This is a thrill. Yeah, so you're coming at us from Abu Dhabi, um, which is so cool. I think it's the coolest thing that you live there.
1: Well, it's interesting that I still live here. I mean, I came here in 2008, and uh, I didn't think I would still be here
0: in (laughs) 2022. We were just talking about you living there, and I was like, I want to make this entire podcast about this. But no, we are here to talk about menopause, perimenopause, hormones, and... I absolutely love your Instagram. I love your social media, Hot Flash Inc. It's freaking amazing, especially now. Okay, so I'm 41 and things are starting to change. And I just like, I guess my first question is like, why the freaking hell is it's so hard to normalize talking about hormone changes as we get older?
1: Well, okay, a lot of the women my age, They all say, no one told me, and no one's talking about it, and no one told me. Mm -hmm. And I will argue, having been through this, things started to get strange for me around 41. I knew nothing about it. I didn't even know there was perimenopause. I thought I would go through menopause in my 60s, like this literally that far away, right? But I think there's a lot of denial because I had to have heard about it. I had to have known about it. I'm a journalist. I had to have come across it. I think it's just really tied up in aging, and people don't want to talk about it. And even my younger friends, like I have friends who are ten years younger, and they, it's it's like anything but perimenopause. And I do not want to be the person who talks about it all the time. That's like you know, that's when it started for me. Like I don't want to be that annoying person. Um, but what's the big deal? Because that's what I
0: mean. What is go the through big deal
1: anyway? Right. Yes. Yeah. We're gonna go through it anyway. We now know that it lasts. It starts so much earlier. It can start in your late thirties. It has nothing to do with anything. It, it, it's just like puberty. It's mm-hmm. a long, long ramp, and it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything if you're going through it or not going through it. So I don't know why. I think. Um, I, I think it's just. I think it's half of us and half society. Like I just shared today, a, a headline that drove me nuts because it was like, it was about this an awesome investment in menopause companies that's happening Mm -hmm. and but the headline was hot flash menopause isn't sexy but investors are dot 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 and I'm like why are you writing that like this is just the overarching feeling about menopause is that it's awful and you're old and you're dried up and you're whatever I don't know do you think it's changing with my like I'm 10 you know the 10 years ahead of you like the uh the Gwyneth Paltrow's and the Mm -hmm. you know me watts is talking about it like gabrielle union does that make any difference to you because are you you seem willing to talk about it
0: well i started to it's interesting because i guess it all is related to your life experiences like my sister who is five years older than me four years older than me she her last period she was 37 37 years old yeah my mom went my mom lost her period at 40 very early so like I feel as though and I knew this like my mom was going through menopause when I was like I don't know a teenager and she was this crazy person and we did not understand like what was happening and I don't think she even understood what was happening and even like she doesn't remember any of it she like blacked out for like 10 years I swear to god Uh, (laughs) so it's always kind of been in the back of my mind that it's possible that it's going to be early for me and then my sister like it, it just it's really interesting. Like she, when she was like 38, 39, she'd be like sitting at the, at the table at Christmas and just like start sweating and like her whole demeanor would change and she would like be wide eyed, just like so hot, like fanning herself being like, Oh, don't mind me. And she was like in her thirties and it was just really interesting. Um,
1: did she go hormone therapy?
0: I don't think she did. I, and that's the thing. Huh. Like when you don't know and you don't, talk about it and things are happening in your life so like for me when I started um I mean I I was introduced to you a long time ago through our mutual friend Amber like I've known yes. who you are for a long yeah. time and when you started I talking about that. yeah yeah I would say I would say um and when you started hot flash Inc, or at least when I started following you I was just like oh my god I just I love this, and maybe it's not pertaining to me in this exact moment, but I think that my curiosity in being a woman and my curiosity in the changes that we go through and just paying attention to my own body through the stages of my life, like, frig, just my energy level. When I was 20, I could... I could drink probably three bottles of wine or an entire like 26 or vodka and get up and run a marathon the next day. Now I have one glass and I'm like paralyzed. And so (laughs) just paying attention to the changes and I don't know, maybe the Gwyneth Paltrow's and maybe those people are sort of bringing it into light, but I don't know. I like the word you used. I like that you said denial.
1: I think for sure it's denial, but your age group, like Amber is much more open to talking about stuff like this, our Mm -hmm. mutual friend, and Mm -hmm. I find my friends that are my age are much, they're always still trying to sort of like slough it off and not talk about it and say it's something else, and like I had one friend who was like, oh, it's going to be a really long time for me, because we we go through it really old in my family, but then she's having all these problems with weight, and she's having all these problems with sleep, and you know, it's just, I think... I was in denial all my 40s. I even Mm -hmm. read like that book by Christian, Dr. Christian Northrup, you know, Oprah's menopause doctor. Yes. Um, She, I got to interview her, but she, you know, she's become sort of like an anti-vaxxer. So she's like kind of become a radioactive person, but I still love her because she was (laughs) Oprah's menopause doctor. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't care what you do when you're retired, and I, I, you know, I have my own thoughts, but um, I I, I interviewed for my podcast, but I'm always a bit nervous about it, because you know what people are like, they're like, you can't talk to that person, but she wrote the book, uh, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, she also, her menopause book is amazing, but Mm -hmm. I read the chapter on menopause when I was 45, like, four years into being a lunatic, like, with my hormones, and having panic attacks, and I'd already been to the eMERGE, with chest pains in the middle of the night, I was having like tons of mood swings, I was just, I was having like all these weird symptoms, and, but I read that chapter, no, no clue, like nothing clues in, she talks about perimenopause in that chapter, but when you read something that's like, this is, in your mind is thinking this is a far way away, I really liked how she wrote about it, I shut the book, I'm like, okay, well this is cool, I'll be ready when this comes around, you know, (laughs) and it wasn't until I was 48, when I missed a period, that I couldn't, explain away because I do you know flying from here to Canada and back it's very hard in your body so I i have missed a period like once in my early four, I think once or twice when I've made that trip mm-hmm. you know because I, I don't know I just find flying always would a cycle. but it was when I was 48 and I just missed a period that I was like oh actually and then when I researched it all Oh, like it made everything easier. Like everything was easier, right? Because it's like, I know what I'm dealing with and I know what information to look for. But don't tell me during that time that I didn't come across this. I mean, I read the damn book that had perimenopause in it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just think, and I think that just makes it, look, we know, I know, you know, from the work you do that everything you push down and ignore and deny comes out some other way. So, of course, if you're just denying the very essence of what's happening in your body, it's going to make
0: things harder. Absolutely. Things harder. And the whole the whole culture that we've grown up in, that age means you're bad or something. Aging is, it's so interesting. Like you go back like hundreds of years ago and women, older women were like elders. They were the wisdom. They were the wise people. And they were the ones that showed you the way because they know all the phases that a young person's going through. Like, I don't know, like even talking about puberty with your kids is like a shy thing for parents. They don't want to talk about sex and the reproductive. It's like they can't handle it. Like parents are deciding what people can and cannot handle when they're younger. And then they find out in the most horrific ways uh, under the stairwell at their school or like through porn. And because that is going to happen to your kids if you don't talk to them about it. And they're, uh, girls are getting their periods and they don't even know. They've never even heard that that's a thing. It's just so interesting how we keep these like natural, normal life things from ourselves, from our kids. And then when we try and talk about it, it's like, we're like weirdos.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was very afraid I would be uh, the weird person when I decided talking about this. But I also... You know when they say, like, it's happened to me very few times in my life where I've gotten really possessed by something. I just got really possessed by this. Like, Mm. I just patented to. Like, I can't explain it. I just, I was listening to Joe Rogan the other day, and he said he just felt like he had to do a podcast, and I'm sitting in my room. Like, this is kind of me with menopause. Like, I just, it wouldn't be what I would choose for myself. I remember saying, well, this will be the kiss of death for ever getting married. Like, I'm never going to date again because I'm (laughs) going to be the menopause lady. And I actually went to this, I go to this awesome ice bath night, Mm. In Dubai, and the guy Benoit, he's the this, this Swiss military guy who runs it. And I walked in Sunday, and he said uh, he kept saying, "Everyone, this is he loves my account." He, yeah, he's like in his sixties, and he said, "This is she's the menopause lady." And I was like, "Oh my god, why are you introducing me like that?" But I didn't care. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't care anymore. So I just got obsessed. But I think it has to do with sex. It has to do with aging. And for me, I was just always scared of getting older. Like you know, I was just mm-hmm. thirty. 30, terrified of being older, I had so many, you talk about this all the time, and I just love it, but I had so many external voices in my head, right, Mm -hmm. like, and when I was 30, it was not an easy time to be, like, a single, unmarried woman, Mm -hmm. it was when they had that whole baby panic thing, when, you you know, they were telling, that's when it first came that, like, you have to have children, because your eggs are dying, and Tina faded a thing on Saturday Night Live, it really messed with me. Of course, because I have had long term relationships in my twenties, and I guess I always wanted to get married and have kids, or I thought I did, and so I just lived my life in like sheer terror that that was never going to happen. And guess what? It never, (laughs) never happened. Like I never got married or had kids. So I just came at it from that way, and it was so damaging. Like it just aging, and every part of it was just to me just in fear. So it's funny when you said you wanted to talk about moving over here, but I feel like that move like got me, you know, I was sort of just knew I wanted to move over here. When the job opportunity came up, it was to be on a team to start a newspaper. I was just like, it was another time in my life where I was like, I definitely want to do that. That's what I'm doing, even though I'd never been here. And I sometimes think like I had to leave North America just to like find myself, come to a place that you would think would be so conservative, would be so into marriage and children to just live here and just be, be okay with all that happened. So it's a long way of just saying how I've sort of gotten to the point where I became okay with it.
0: It's really powerful what you just said, and and such a a, an incredible piece of wisdom for all of the women out there that are like, I'm not saying you need to go somewhere to find yourself, but like it's the the decision that you made to go there is like the hardest part. Like you decided, and then you actually got on the you packed your stuff you got on the plane you landed you went you were doing all of these new scary ass fucking things and knowing deep down that you were okay and you were showing up for yourself in a way that's like so many people will never do in their whole life and you did that that's amazing
1: well I mean it's all Everything big you do is all little bits of things, right? It's all just to break it down into small steps. Like when I was packing up my condo and selling it, like that seemed crazy. But I think when I, there's a lot of women who've hit my age who haven't had to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've had kids and they've raised kids and they've been moms and they've worked jobs and they've done a ton, but people have gotten very comfortable. So when you get to this age and you feel like this growth and this, like, I mean, it's definitely a soul shift there isn't that knowledge of how you do those things, right? Like you haven't, like I, it's never easy for me either. I'm still kicking and screaming and I still get mad at myself at every new thing I do. Like I went hiking (laughs) in Turkey in May and I was laughing the whole time. because three days before I was like, Oh, my toe hurts. Oh, I have a sore back. I'm really tired. Like maybe I shouldn't go. Like my brain is just kicking up all this stuff, but I now know what my brain does when I'm scared to do things. And I, and you know, I have a really good example of just moving overseas and it was okay. It was very, very hard when I got here. But any change that you feel called to do, like, you will figure it out. It will make you bigger. It won't make, you know.
0: Absolutely. And the distractions that you put in your way, like, my toe hurts. That is hilarious. But uh, But in the moment, it's like a concern. You, like, attach so much meaning to that because, oh, my gosh, my back hurts. Maybe I shouldn't go. It's just distraction. It's our minds. Playing the game. Oh my
1: God, your brain is like a little kid saying, but that's the most (laughs) obvious example. It was my toe in the top of my foot. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking, I can't go hiking when I, I mean, (laughs) it's so possible to go hiking for 10 days. It's crazy. And then it was three things happened. And then the day I left, I was exhausted. It was just my brain. Your brain's like a little kid, like just saying like, I'm going to do this. It's throwing little, sometimes big, like it's all, it's like a little Mm -hmm. kid that can't get your attention throwing rocks at you. I just think it's crazy.
0: So how does that, okay, let's, let's talk about perimenopause because I'm sure there are women from ages, I don't know, what's the earliest, what's the earliest you've heard of people really having perimenopausal symptoms or signs?
1: Well, it's important to distinguish between early menopause, like premature menopause, like your sister would be premature menopause, you know, and when you, when you go through menopause before 40, it's. Even before 45, it's, it's an issue. It's something to consider
0: mm-hmm. that
1: you might want to go on hormone therapy because you're really meant to have your hormones for much longer than that, right? You're meant to have them until the average age is 51. You're meant to have them until you're in your 40s fully. Um, so anything, you know, before that. But I I mean, a lot of women are having um, polycystic ovarian.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: P, and what is POI? Oh, I'm losing. We might have to edit this. POI. Premature ovarian insufficiency. Yeah, 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 Premature yeah. Premature yeah. ovarian insufficiency. Okay. I just interviewed a girl um, who went through menopause at 27. Um, there's people who go through surgical menopause. There's people who go through menopause. They have cancer treatment. And so really, you if you take all those cases aside, and all of those people should look at hormone therapy because you're supposed to have those hormones. They have very protective effects for you. If you're looking at the sort of natural progression of menopause it seems to be that it can start changing you a little bit in your late 30s and definitely in your 40s and for some people it's it's nothing you know for 15 percent of women I think it is they have nothing and for some women it's terrible and it goes on for 15 years I feel for me I've been going through changes since I was 41 and I'm 52 and I'm still going like it's not it's not done yeah so yeah Uh, but definitely I think in your for around your your late 30s people should start watching for just you know changes in your body changes in your mood changes in your sleep patterns and what I like about the fact that more people are finding out about perimenopause I think the biggest thing is you know if what I did was I just always went full tilt like I'm just a full tilt person I was I was the one out for drinks yeah and I was the one working out and when I got anxious or I felt like I gained weight then I would just turn it up You know, so I would, it wouldn't be when I was, and I always had a lot of anxiety, low and high moods. I've been sort of someone who's, who could be low or high with swings. But if I was going through a period of anxiety, well, I would just do like, uh, spinning and then Bikram yoga three, three times in a row. Like, and then it would knock me out of it. If I felt a bit chubby, I would just hit it really hard. I was just constantly burning the candle, you know, just tearing around and burning myself out. And so when you hit your forties like that, it's just really tough because you don't have the reserves And you have to sort of adjust and learn to rest and learn to be with yourself. And if you haven't dealt with some of your, your stuff, like I hadn't, you know, I hadn't, Mm -hmm. I had stuff to deal with. I had like, we all do. Um, But they've done, you know, there was just a study that came out in the Menopause Journal this week that your adverse experiences from your childhood, they do make your menopause more difficult and your perimenopause more difficult. There's racial differences. Um, and some of the socioeconomic stuff that happens that make it more difficult. So I, I sort of hit like 42 43 ignoring problems, things from, that happened for my child and not understanding the way I was, not understanding the way I was in relationships, um, not able to feel or process like my emotions, just always avoiding them in different ways. I used to eat, then I used to drink and then I would exercise, you know, like just like a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So if you hit that
0: hormonal point,
1: in your forties and that stuff is going on, then it's going to be really, really hard. And that's sort of what I hit.
0: So what, like what actually happens, what is happening in our bodies? <laughs> Let's start there.
1: Okay. Well, what I, as I understand it, your, your, your progesterone starts slowly diminishing. Let's just start slowly going down. And progesterone is responsible for a lot of, it does a lot of things, but mood and sleep are big ones. And then, and, it, and that, your estrogen is sorry
0: but peri uh, so progesterone really is the hormone that kicks in in ovulation so you would uh, in a normal cycle you would ovulate and your progesterone would sort of take over it like the glands in your in your um what is the gland that produces progesterone i can't remember but so you, you have estrogen when you fin- when you start your period, you get estrogen estrogen estrogen, you ovulate and then progesterone starts. Am I right there? Is it something like that? I
1: think that you're right. Yeah. I'm going to look that up later. Like, okay. I'm going to look that up though because I sometimes get a little bit confused when I talk about the menstrual cycle. okay But, but the levels, yeah, I think it's the second half of your cycle yeah. is when the progesterone.
0: It's to support the ovulation, the, yes. and the, yes. and the. Um, sperm fertilizing the egg and it creates like a thicker wall in your whatever in your uterus and then when you
1: (laughs) yes and then when you don't need it you bleed and you come off and then you clean it up
0: and the estrogen kind of bumps up yeah
1: yeah and so that's diminishing your testosterone is diminishing which is responsible for a lot of things libido um energy Mm -hmm. uh and then your estrogen is crashing up and down so that's that's why it's all over the place. That's one of the reasons that you're all over the place. Okay. Just that sort of concert of emotions kind of, or the concert of hormones just kind of like, so the way it's been explained to me is that your body is just like trying to recalibrate the whole time, but right. this situation, which is natural, this sort of transition, like upgrade type time does put you in sort of a strange position and a risk. So you have you're a lot more vulnerable to like insulin resistance and blood sugar problems. Uh, Your sleep is, might be messed up, which is going to mess up a lot of other things. Um, I was just interviewing someone who was telling me about how, you know, a lot of women who start experiencing hot flashes, severe vasomotor symptoms, they call them hot flashes and night sweats. It's sort of a signal for perhaps some bigger cardiovascular problems. Women start having problems with their blood pressure This is why it's just so important to look at the lifestyle piece. Hormone therapy is great. It's always sort of pushed now. We could talk about that later. I I definitely want to um, talk about that. Yeah. Like, I just think you can't, you know, you just can't eat, like, you just can't eat processed food and expect to sort of sail through. I mean, maybe some women can, but I can't. Drinking becomes really difficult. It's like, you just really have to take care of yourself. You have to rest, like maybe workouts. Like when I was doing all those really tough workouts, I got adrenal fatigue. And I remember I went to a naturopath and she's like, you're going to, you're not, first of all, I wasn't living like a joyful life and I hadn't dealt with some stuff, but also she said, you can't exercise like this. You're just going to burn out. You're going to get sick. Um, and so that changed everything. And it's a bit, it's a lot when you've really gone hard, right? Like, when you've really gone hard your whole life. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And I'm making it sound like, you know, I'm not saying it to stop working out. Like, I've been going to F45 and everything. But you just really have to be aware of your energy levels. And aware of all of it. That's when you don't know what's going on. You know what it's like. If you... <laughs> We put up with so much when we're women and so many variations in our energy levels that we're, it's just we keep trucking along. So it just makes it a lot better if you pay attention to it.
0: OK, well, on that note, though, let's just rewind for a second, because, OK, you said some really my mind is really lighting up here. And. Just to go back, neither of us are doctors. We're not hormone doctors. We're we're two women discussing menopause, and you're you're like a menopause, perimenopausal expert journalist. You report on a lot of stuff: the signs, the symptoms, take care of yourself. You're really bringing attention to this, which is like fantastic. However, neither of us. How many periods do you think you've had in your life? Three hundred. 400 yeah
1: I don't know because it's almost 40 years right I've been having my period for like almost 40 yeah
0: okay I I would let's just say three to four hundred periods because it's probably that um because if it's 12 periods a year times whatever yeah we we're educated we're we're educated smart women who pay attention to our bodies and we couldn't Tell, exactly. we couldn't say what the fuck is happening inside of us. Yeah. That is yeah. like that in itself. Like, how many women listening right now, or men? listening right now, know exactly what's happening with their hormones, with their ovulation, with their uterus, with their fallopian tubes. Do you even know what your vulva is? Do you know what your vagina is? I actually am reading this book. It's called Period Power. It's by Maisie Hill. And she was talking about how the vagina is literally the canal, the canal that leads to your cervix, to your uterus. Mm-hmm. And I, and, we and that I was the vulva. We thought it was the vulva. Yeah, I know.
1: People make fun of Vanessa Paltrow for saying that. I'm like, why are you making fun of her? That's what everyone thinks. That's
0: what everyone thinks. People don't even... You could interview... I was watching on social media um, some women interviewing men. Like, what's the... What is a vulva? And they're like, uh, a car? (laughs) They're like, they have no idea. And it's interesting how we don't... Like, I think we have a very good idea but where yeah. our expertise really is is like in the paying attention to the changes in our bodies yeah. and talking about yeah. them because like who talks about this like why didn't we learn that it's but it's part way, of who we are
1: uh, sorry to interrupt Elise, but yeah. by the way a lot of doctors don't know either because the more i learn about this the more mm-hmm. shocked i am when i talk to doctors there's doctor, okay, so here are the things I've learned that really Let, blow me away.
0: Let's let's do I it. I
1: knew that, I was on the pill for 10 years when I was young, and I knew I wanted to come off of it, because I just, I, I'm a natural person, and I would ask my doctor, and he would get annoyed, Yeah. and I knew it wasn't a real period. I always knew that in the back of my mind, but it wasn't until recently that I learned exactly what's happening. It's not a, it's a pill bleed, it's not a period. I never knew about ana, anovulatory periods, where you have a period, but you're not ovulating. So you think you're you think everything's fine and yeah. you'll maybe not be ovulating. The, like nature will take away that ovulation if we're, if we're under stress, if we're under danger, like that's right. nature's way of protecting. Like, that's amazing.
0: You can't handle being pregnant, pregnant like, right now. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. That,
1: that gives me shivers. I just found out from Peter Atia's podcast of all people. And I've been interviewing people week in, week out now for a couple of years. Yeah, He's the one who said in a woman, we make more testosterone than estrogen.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, like when you see the graph, when you get your bloods, it won't seem that way. But when you standardize all the measurements into picograms, we make more testosterone. I looked up the graph, sure enough. Like, so why, why are we so focused on estrogen? Why is that the only thing anyone thinks about? Um, do- I talk to doctors who don't understand the difference between, who don't appear to understand the difference between progesterone which is what we make, bioidentical versions, which are the closest to it, and progest- progestogens, synthetic right. progestin, synthetic so right. progesterone. It's progestin, which is in the pill. Which is, which in, is your, in the pill. Um, yeah, because you
0: can take bike. a progesterone pill like as a yeah. birth control method, but it's not the actual same yeah. hormone that we're naturally right. creating. Got it.
1: Right, and they might put you on a form of synthetic progestin with estrogen, if you went on hormone therapy, but that actually seems to be what's causing most of the risks that people are worried about—not estrogen and not progesterone. So these are things that I mean, I like. Yes, we should know what's going on with that I should know exactly what's going on with this cycle, and I'm gonna after this. But hey, I, I talk to doctors who don't seem to know the most basic stuff, and then I get freaked out because I'm like, how do I, how do I know this? And I, you know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. we don't know what we don't know the half of what we need to know about women's health.
0: I don't know the half of what I need to know either. And I'm just like, and, and that's okay. And the curiosity, and that's why we're having these conversations. Like the, the people listening right now that are just like, Ooh. I mean, even just the idea of hormone therapy, I like, I'm 41 years old. Yeah, I feel? feel like things are starting. I feel like okay, things are starting. It? Um. So I'm an active person. I eat relatively well. I don't eat very much processed food. I mean, ooh, the most processed I will have like cold cuts. I, I'm like obsessed with like meat. Okay. Ugh, that's like my thing. Like I'm Polish. I love kibasa. I love like like processed meat. That would be like the Yum. thing. That's the worst thing that I eat. I and I guess in some I do eat some I, I do eat dairy, so I, I think cheese has a level of processness to it. I know it's just like a minor processing, but I outside of meat and cheese, I don't eat fast food. I don't eat cereal. I don't eat anything that's not like a whole food, really. And maybe that's and, and that has changed over the last 10 years. I've really started to really pay attention because processed food does not feel good in my body. OK, I mean, sure, I ate the last time I ate, I was talking about this with Michael the other day, my my partner. I think the last time I ate McDonald's, I, I might have eaten McDonald's once in the last 10, 15 years. Maybe, maybe, That's May I have had like chicken fingers. I, I don't know. Like, is that processed? Anyways, I'm not no, saying I'm
1: talking about like. You know, people are getting prepared things and like
0: prepared meals and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I find that so fast food
1: and
0: and it's the preservatives that are put in those things that I think like affect me. So so when COVID hit and I went into like a crazy stress mode, lost my job, wasn't making any money, like was like, oh, my God, the world shutting down. I got really, really scared. Um, I immediately gained 20 pounds. And it wasn't like this. It wasn't. I my lifestyle, I guess, changed a little bit. Sure, I slowed down, but like the weight gain was so rapid. Eating fruits and vegetables, moving every day, like doing the normal thing. Super huge weight gain. Um, And I kind of like felt a little bit of shame around that. But at the same time, I was embracing my body. I got to slow down. I got to sort of start creating. I started uh, my coaching business online at that point. Um, it gave me some time to like reevaluate my life and my goals and my passions, whatever. The weight gain was the first thing. I have also started to have really intense periods. Like they've changed. They're so intense. It's hard and fast, dark, clumpy, hard ass periods and painful?
1: Painful?
0: painful as hell. I can't not take. Two extra strength Advil, two extra strength Tylenol every four hours for 48 hours to 72. Wow. It's two to three days. I can't yeah. not take crazy pain meds. I've tried the holistic stuff. I've tried the teas. I do hot packs. I do hot cold therapy. I'm doing all these things. The pain is so hardcore. I throw up. It's It hurts so bad. It's like really intense. Now. Wow. Um, I was, I used to have this hardcore period when I was younger and I was told I had endometriosis. So I was put on the pill when I was 14, um, and I was on the pill for 17 years. Yeah. Um, and so I don't even know, like, here's the thing. The interesting thing is my partner and I have been, um, trying to have a baby, um, News flash. I don't think anyone that listens to the show, I've never really talked about that. So yay, breaking news. (laughs) Yeah. So we've been trying, we've been trying for over a year. Okay. Um, I'm on a waiting list for fertility, but with COVID things are like the wait lists are insane. Um, and yeah, even doing hormone therapy, like the wait list to get it. I guess I could with a naturopath, I think. But or a hormone doctor specifically. But if I want to see a specialist, I'm this is what I'm going. I'm going through the process of doing that now because I'm interested in it. And I don't know. It could be me. It could be Michael. This is a dual effort thing. But like we are graphing. We are we have our windows. We are doing the things we are like listening to all of the experts and doing all the things. And like every month I just get my period. And it's like, what the fuck?
1: And do you know if you're ovulating?
0: No, I have no idea. I have no, a zero clue. No. This clip. is the
1: thing. You could maybe not be ovulating. Definitely, uh, I just looked it up to make sure. Progesterone could be something that could help you with those heavy periods mm-hmm. because um, it inhibits the growth of the lining of the womb before menstruation, which will lessen the bleeding, um, and then it could help you with some other things. But you know, I don't. While you're waiting, I just I've done a lot of interviews in this. There, I mean, while you're waiting, there's some stuff you could do, like this book, Hormone Repair Manual by okay. Lara Bryden.
0: Done. I'm writing that down. I mean, Hormone Repair Manual. I can do stuff manual. like this while
1: you're waiting. Okay. Yeah, Lara Bryden is Canadian. She's a naturopathic doctor that works in New Zealand. She's so smart. Um, she's one of the best people I've found. And uh, Every Woman's Guide to Healthy Hormones After Forty. And she's the one where I learned about these periods where you don't ovulate, and it's not always be- because there's something wrong. It just it it can just happen. Right. So. I would, while you're waiting, I would read through that because there's loads in there. And pre- a natural doctor can help with that kind of thing. You know? Yeah. And I think that's, I thought, when I heard of that, I thought, oh, all my friends that have had a lot of problems, you could really save a lot of time if you, um, you know, if you, like, found out if you were actually ovulating. I think a lot of people are probably trying to get pregnant and they don't know if they're, and then you can figure out how to get the ovulation back if you weren't. But I don't know, I'm not a fertility. But that's amazing.
0: Yeah, well, Dean being 41 too and trying to get pregnant and having like um there's an interesting stigma there too because like sure i like sometimes i feel like i am perimenopausal because of like some of the other things like i'm super tired often like i i i can't work out the same way that i used to i mean i've started to lift weights a lot more and i think that the building muscle has really helped me um Cause I like running, running's my thing. And I mean, last year I was training for a marathon and I would go out for these 25, 30 K runs and like be dead. Like I, and, 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 and even five years ago I had like, I PB'd and I watch all these older women because like older women all say that they got faster and better at running as they aged. And I'm just like, that is not happening to me. That well, is, I'm like, the opposite. Right now,
1: but it might happen to you after. Yeah, after. But also, one of the – my gyno here, Dr. Rosalie Sant, I've interviewed her for my other um, platform, and she is constantly dealing with women coming in and saying they can't get pregnant because, you know, these CrossFit people it's doing six days, six days a week of CrossFit. Yeah. She says, I can tell when they walk in the door that they're not going to get pregnant. And right. she'll say to them, you have to work out less, and you have to eat more, and <laughs> –
0: because she yeah. said
1: your body is saying, and this is probably not you, but, she, you know, a lot of people, your body is saying, like, I can't let you have a baby because you're working out too hard. Right. You're putting too much, stress. they have to have energy for the baby. I thought that was really interesting. And she said they will argue and argue and argue with her. And she's like, okay, we'll just, you know.
0: Well, this is the thing. Y- exactly. But this I don't think that's
1: you, but there could be an element of it, you know, like there could be, you never know.
0: A hundred percent. And, like, that... I I know that we're going to figure it out and we're not like we are figuring it out. We're just taking it day by day. We're like kind of at this place where we're just like embracing our relationship. And it's actually really like helped with the relationship. And like it's it's not like I don't know, I, I guess deep down inside of me, like the the changes that I'm starting to go through are are happening I am things are happening and I don't have like there's not a lot of people to talk to about that that could understand you know what I mean like there's not a lot of people out there that are just like oh and by the way (laughs) like our hormones are responsible for fucking everything and your mood swings like pay attention so like even just in the last like three years I've started to learn to pay attention to the time of the month where I, I um you know cry because I kill a mosquito and I'm just such an awful person because I you know s- dropped you know my corn on the cob on the floor <laughs> you know I'm like I hard know we I are like yeah <laughs> <laughs> or like Michael ate are the you last
1: fired already
0: yeah <laughs> Michael ate the last chunk of cheese and I like wanted to murder him. I was like so outraged, but like, really, I was just like hormones.
1: <laughs> hormones. But like, I mean, anyway, I don't want to keep tout This is the, the book yeah. I showed you. Hormone Repair Manual, is one of the best books. It is one of the most comprehensive things. And I think no matter what you're doing, it's a good idea to just go through in your 40s. And I would like everyone to do it in their 30s. I just make sure that they're doing absolutely everything to get those hormones balanced because whether you're trying to get pregnant or not, it's just going to set
0: you up. So are you taking um, hormone therapy? Are you on hormone no. therapy? Okay. That's another
1: thing. You know, when I started this, I, I'm a very like anti pharma, very suspicious, skeptical okay. person.
0: Okay. Yeah. Same.
1: It's continued <laughs> to be for the last couple of years, by the way. In yeah. the absence of everyone else being, but it's like, um, I started this out thinking this is the racket. Like they want to get everyone on hormone therapy and I'm going to be the one who's really skeptical about this. And I have really changed. I'm really changing my mind on that. Like the science is very compelling um, to me for treating symptoms. There's a heavy cell coming for preventatives, preventative, but I'll just talk about me for one. I just want to, I just want to go as long as I can. Because I kind of like figuring out what's happening to my body. Like, I kind of like doing it au natural. but I'm also doing fine. Yeah. And, um, I, ha- I, I have a, I had a French gynecologist here. I can't see her anymore because my insurance doesn't cover, but she was, some doctors don't want you to go on hormone therapy until you've finished menopause. Interesting. Like, until you've had that one, it's that, it's that one year, it's that one day when you haven't had your period for a year and, you, and you're done. And that is a school of thought, um, and then there are other doctors who are like, no, no, no. As soon as you start experiencing, i it going to put you on all the hormone therapy. And I think somewhere in the middle is, is the right place. And I just want to be very, very thoughtful about it. I want to be thoughtful about it because I just don't want to have to have a prescription if I don't, if I don't want, need one. And I'm managing my symptoms so far. The other reason I haven't gone on it and I'm very thoughtful about it is that I had, I, I had a bad gut issue. I had SIBO. Um, ah like I had, yeah. And I was really, I thought I was dying of perimenopause. Like I was so tired for like three days at a time. My mood was horrible. My brain fog was horrible. I couldn't think, uh, bloating. Um, just, I had a really, a lot of problems cause I had some surgery and some antibiotics. And then for nine months I had this and it was just diagnosed by accident. I right. thought so, I was, I so- thought I was perimenopausal. I was going to go on hormone therapy. And then I went, A gast- gastro just happened to ask me some questions. He said, I think you have SIBO. I got tested. I spent another eight months trying to cure that thing. And I did.
0: And, and SIBO so is small better. intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So it happens in your small yeah. intestine. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it's a real, it's a real bugger. Like it's a, it's got this crazy diet. Anyway, I, I ended up getting, I ended up having to go on a liquid diet for two, uh, two weeks and I ended up getting rid of it. Oh, good But for I you. felt so much better after that. Yeah. So I'm super glad that I didn't go on hormones because I would have gone on hormone. Like there's this school of, there's this brigade of people over. I've got to come up with a name for them. Like hormone. I said Helen, but it's not nice. Like I have like the natural Nellies and hormonal, uh, Helens, but I got to take away the names <laughs> cause that's not nice. But they're just screaming over on either side. Right. And I, and I just like, no, like it's not all one. It's not all the other. Um, and if I had gone on hormone therapy, when I had SIBO, would I have found out if I had SIBO? Would it have made it better? Like, I just think the get, getting dealing with things thoughtfully one by one. I'm just really glad I sorted my gut out, you know, and then and then and then I can figure out the other things. I think that's one reason that I haven't gone on it yet. So, I am kind of trying to wait until I'm through menopause because I feel like it's okay. And I have all these other things that I do and take. I did start taking DHEA. Um, after doing some interviews about it, what's that? it's a precursor hormone and it helps you make all your other hormones. And I was in Nashville and I went into a whole foods and they had it. And, um, you know, I felt like that's sort of, I don't think you can get it in Canada. I took it when I was in my early forties, when I burned out and I was prescribed it by a naturopath. And obviously you have to check with your doctor before you take any of these things. But, um, I talked to a doctor and he said, yeah, give it a try. So I feel a lot better peppier I just feel like my brain is working really really well so the combination of the gut and that that's fine for now you know and then I just find every couple of months it's different like it's just different so I just kind of want to see you know Uh, I I I was having hot flashes I was in a period of severe stress and hot flashes are very connected to stress for me Mm -hmm. and um, I whenever I have hot flashes which I'll
0: have during a period of stress Um, I'll take, a a
1: supplement called piquenaginol. I don't know how I'm saying it. (laughs) Piquenaginol.
0: Sounds good to me.
1: (laughs) During I sing the praises of piquenaginol, it's an antioxidant. It's standardized. It's like the bark of a, uh, a pine tree from the Mediterranean. And that takes care of my hot flashes. So, you know, I'm just not gonna do it until I need to. And, and there's people that the Helens will scream and say, it shouldn't be you need to. You should be going on it now. But I just, I'm going my own way and I think that's whatever woman, I think it's something you should be very thoughtful about. I
0: I really love that approach. I encourage so many people to do that. And I was talking about this the other day. It's like, so often something feels off for us and we need like a diagnosis, we need someone to diagnose us so so that that is the thing. So now we're in perimenopause. That is the reason we we give that so much meaning. That's the reason we're behaving. So we don't have to take responsibility for ourselves. Oh no, I I can be an asshole and behave this way because I'm in menopause, because I have ADHD, because I have SIBO. I can do all- like we we make yeah. the diagnosis the reason instead of actually looking at the ways in which we can take responsibility for our lifestyle, for our choices, for what we're putting in our body, and and dig a little bit deeper instead of just saying listening to those Helens and being like, fine, good. You, you're like, that is now the reason. That's the reason why my life's a mess and I'm tired and I don't have to do anything else, but take this stupid pill and blame the world. Right? (laughs) Well,
1: you, you hit the nail on the head. This Okay, so personal responsibility is my big thing. And Mm -hmm. that's my whole 40s has been about taking personal responsibility for myself. Mm -hmm. And we know how much. You see people get a diagnosis. I I can tell this right away now. People, there's certain people who love getting a diagnosis.
0: Love it. Oh, yeah. Like, they don't
1: know that they love it, right? They don't know that they love it, but you know when the way they say it, all oh, but my arthritis, oh, but yep. my this, yep. oh, but my
0: that. It comes and up, it's the story. It mm-hmm.
1: stops you from having to take responsibility because mm-hmm. you have this thing. And yes, it happens in menopause and perimenopause too. And it's like repugnant to me because it's, it's like repugnant to me because I think I was looking for it for a long time. You know, like for mm-hmm. a long time, I was like, oh, if I. I, I didn't get married, I didn't have kids, so I'm like waiting for that, you know, waiting for that to come along so I don't have to take responsibility, waiting for a guy to like come, you know, yep. and so, yeah, you really hit the nail on the head there, and and I hear, I, I know it when I hear it, and I'm just like, ugh, you know, that person is not going to get better, and yeah, there's a whole brigade of people that are making sort of that. And the other thing is, like, hormone therapy doesn't work the same for everyone. So there's a lot of people, you know, this is really popular in Britain. Like, there were some really high-profile women who were having the worst menopause, and they sounded like they were dying. Like, there's this woman, Davin McCall, and she's just been giving interviews. She, she She's written a book. She's, like, a rock star in Britain for menopause. Okay. She's going on a book tour, like a Michelle Obama book tour, where she's charging tickets for a promotional book tour, <laughs> which is insane. Like, people yeah. are paying money to go to her book promo. But she just said, "I was. She used to be addicted to heroin. My menopause was like heroin. My heroin addiction, you know. And it's like, oh, come on, you know. And so she, she was. She went on hormone therapy, and it fixed her right up. But that's her. For every her, there's loads of women who go to the doctor, get the standard hormone therapy prescription, because a lot of places will just give you sort of a standard thing that's not like metered out just for you, and have a really hard time. We know this because." When we've tried hormones, birth control, mm-hmm. I remember I tried that ring once, did not work for me. Like we are all different. We are all different. So just the solution that's going to fix everything, the situation I'm in, that's going to explain everything that doesn't exist. Right. And I think, yeah, that what? Think personal responsibility is part of this massive transition. I think it's one of the keys. It's forcing us to take that responsibility.
0: It is. And and thankfully, as we get older, we've maybe looped in that cycle enough times to start to see, like, oh shit, that's actually not gonna work. I've tried that. Like, it's one of the most common questions I ask myself and I get with like clients is like, if you know that this is going to be this the result, why do you keep doing what you're doing why do you keep mm-hmm. putting yourself in the same position over and over and over again when you know the result it's so interesting how we do that and it's I mean
1: so interesting yeah and it goes in every part of your life like right now part. I'm working on money
0: mm-hmm. because
1: money's always been a thing for me and I've always had a sort of a like ah about my money right kind of I thought I'd get married and, uh, and someone would come along and like magically figure it out for me you know and yeah. I, I found myself being resentful during COVID because I'm just like I, why do I have to figure this out myself? Like my friends don't have to do the stock market and like figure out, you know, yep. like? yeah. but whatever. So I have to figure it out. Like I have to deal with it. It's just that at this time you, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have aging parents around me and I don't have teenagers and, and toddlers in the house and a lot of women this age do. And I don't know how they can figure it out. So I don't, I don't have any, like, I have a lot of compassion for someone who's like, I can't, I'm not sleeping. Like, what do I do? Mm -hmm. go get hormone therapy and and it's great if it works but I just really want people to be aware that it's there's a whole bunch of different preparations there's a whole bunch of different things you can do
0: so tell me some of the things that you're doing so you're in menopause you're not taking hormone therapy so what are you actually doing
1: well my brother was laughing at me when I was at home just all my little things that I do yeah let's hear it okay so I take peak um for for hot flashes but in, I mean it's it's a really cool antioxidant I think I might take that forever uh, I just started taking DHEA which might some people might think is controversial but um Lara Bryden who wrote that book she thinks 20 years from now DHA is going to be you know the thing because okay. this is we are not studied is like it natural has been on estrogen Sorry.
0: is DHEA natural
1: it's a it's a well it's a form of a hormone that we make okay Yeah. And so, and it helps you make all your other hormones. So that's, I, that's why I decided to take it. I, I, there's been some studies lately about it. Um, it's still pretty early days though. Right. So I, I definitely, people should check with their doctor and their doctor might not know, you know? Got it. Um, so I take those two things. I take magnesium, Mm -hmm. um, and taurine every night. That's another thing. Lara Bryden, she brought, she has this like rescue for, If you're having trouble sleeping and you're having hot flashes and you're having a really rough time, so her rescue remedy is like stop drinking, she's just very strong. I'm an alcoholist, not your friend. Stop drinking, Um, uh, take magnesium and taurine in the evening. She recommends magnesium powder, which I've just switched to and really helps. Um, And walks, she walking is just like an amazing thing to do. I've added. Morning walks because I'm really interested in the circadian <clears throat> setting
0: yes. your circadian
1: rhythm thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know Andrew Huberman's been talking about everyone's been all these guys that we like to listen to has been I don't know if you do but I do like talking about the circadian rhythm. So I, that's something I do. I um, I do Wim Hof breathing every morning mm-hmm. and a couple of like moves called the Five Tibetans. So I do like a morning walk. I do those moves. I do the Wim Hof. If I'm not feeling great, like if my mood is a little sideways, uh, I have started sticking my face in ice water.
0: I saw you do that. I want, I wanted to talk to you about that. Thanks for bringing that up. That's That's cool. That's like
1: a game changer. It just changes my day if it's not quite right or I'm very tired. Um, So, and I do ice baths. I started, I I did the Wim Hof. I did an actual Wim Hof workshop um, before COVID they came to Dubai and it was really a wonderful day and I really, really liked it. So I do that. I really, I'm not so good in the morning, but the things go best when I don't look at my phone for like an hour or so after waking up and at least an hour before bed, that will screw up my sleep. I even test it. Like I'll even sometimes just like do this with my phone, like try not to stare at it, but just see if I got a message (laughs) at 10 o'clock. It just screws up my sleep hundred percent. I do all those things, you know, like mm-hmm. I do, um, when I'm traveling at home and I, I, I'm really, I'm really into, okay, we had a menopause shift. I did the menopause shift summit with, um, Andrea Donsky, who's blown up on TikTok, talking about menopause. She's a Love holistic it. nutritionist in Toronto and I've never met her, but we've become good friends. We did this summit and we interviewed some really, really ahead of the curve. And when I was going through the transcripts after so many people were talking about seed oils
0: yeah, or, you know, you know yeah. These, seed, these seed oils and seed cycling and things like that.
1: So seed oils, though, are like the bad oils—the oils that we
0: should. Oh, be oh, making. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yes, okay, yeah. got it. Yeah, so
1: we should canola. Yeah, all these disgusting. Bad oils. Yeah, bad oil. Focusing on like av- like coconut oil and buttery. Yeah, um, olive oil and like so many people don't know this. So many people don't know this mm-hmm. about these seed oils, and so I've become a real like really vigilant about not having those in my diet and I can now tell when they are in my diet and when I because I live alone I can really eat the way I want to and when I go home and I'm staying with my brother and my dad and I'm eating like the bread you know the food they have in their fridge often my brother's got a lot of meat sticks I enjoy that yeah (laughs) yeah the (laughs) meat sticks
0: I can feel
1: like you know your gut like are, we're really vulnerable, our guts are really vulnerable, and I can just feel things sort of. So I'll get like a prebiotic and drink it. You know, I, I'm just constantly doing little things. I just have to, I have to do a lot of little, little things. But I try, I'm trying not to take too many supplements, because another thing that I'm really convinced of, and I want to explore more, is that I think by the 40s, our livers are quite overburdened. And a mm-hmm. lot of us have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. I, I have the early stages of that. And, um, you know, all the stuff we've been putting through our livers, all the stuff that's had to detoxify, they're really sort of overburdened. And I, I don't think people realize that when they take supplements, it has to go through your liver too. I just don't think yeah, you should everything. be like, shunning, like shunning, yeah,
0: everything so. goes through your liver, including like your yeah. sunscreen and your makeup and your yeah. mold in the house and it's interesting that you say that fatty liver is. I had fatty liver. Right now, my liver functions fantastic, but I, I didn't supplement. I did a liver detox, sure, but I okay. started doing the, the bean protocol, like fiber. The bean oh. protocol is. um, Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the lady. She's fantastic. I have an episode on her. Okay, Ugh. I'll listen to it. Um, she. Karen, um, oh my gosh, sorry. I might have to edit this, but I forget her name right now. Well, you have an episode. She comes, yeah, I have an episode on it. It's the bean protocol. It's basically, um, psyllium fiber. Psyllium fiber is like the thing that will help you to cleanse your liver. And because the psyllium actually bonds to toxins that are in your blood and, and leave your body it will bond to the toxin and leave your body so without fiber you're you're sure your liver is cleansing your blood but and your liver will take on it, it basically is like a martyr it takes on and becomes fatty because when you have so much fat and you have so much toxin your liver will start to house those things and that's why it gets diseased so in order for your liver to let go it needs to these toxins to come out of your body and it can only do that through psyllium fiber. So fiber, okay, so how much did you have? Psyllium? So everyone's a little psyllium bit husks. psyllium. Okay. I don't know what a psyllium husk is. I'm not of but a psyllium husk, like, so Michael, he has some heart issues, um, this year. Um, he has some cholesterol, some blood pressure issues and a fatty liver because it all it's all fucking related. And so he's been taking psyllium husk in the morning, so like like almost like a metamucil. Like metamucil yeah. is like amazing for the body because yeah. of the fiber and the type of fiber. So there's um there's two types of fiber. Why can not I remember these things? Psyllium fiber soluble soluble and soluble insoluble. Fiber. Yeah, so it's the It's the insoluble fiber that you want. So it's not the fiber in like, in like spinach and broccoli. It's the fiber that's psyllium. It's the fiber that's in beans. So black beans. So I eat a half a cup of black beans every single morning. And then I'll take like as a snack, I'll, I'll eat like a couple tablespoons throughout the day. That's sort of my commitment. The bean protocol when I had super fatty liver was like, Beans at every half a cup at every meal and snacks. Like, I was literally eating like my entire caloric um, intake was like protein and beans. Like, it was crazy how many beans this I this Oh, helped. yeah. Like, did you oh, have
1: yeah. scans that showed that it improved
0: it? Well, I had blood work. I didn't do okay. any actual scans, but my blood work went okay. from like fatty, toxic liver to normal liver. I also stopped drinking coffee, which was the hardest thing. We did no coffee for six months and no alcohol. So even now, like I am no longer drinking alcohol. Michael's off alcohol as well. Um, I stopped um, at, in June, um, okay. uh, like almost yes. indefinitely. Like I, I, I used to go on these like breaks of no alcohol for like a month here, two months there, a year. But now I'm just like, I'm good. I'm done. I, I don't want to. Is it, is, it, is it never going to happen again? Maybe. It, I don't even care anymore. Because it's like, my body is fucked when I drink alcohol.
1: Same. <laughs> like, Same. And it's, I love now, I love this whole sober curious movement because, I don't yeah. know, it doesn't feel like you have to do anything you can just be not drinking you don't have to declare anything like if 10 years ago or even five years ago it was like some big deal you couldn't just say oh I'm just not drinking right like you know I love that
0: yeah and, and and the community that like I live in they're a little bit less like judgy on it but there still is quite a bit of judgment on that and same with like menopause like even talking about your symptoms people are judging you and they're like yeah. They're like it's like the stigma and and you know for me it's like oh are you pregnant uh like why why aren't you drinking what's wrong with you oh, well, you're trying to lose weight it's like no I just like want to feel good in my body so like go away
1: yeah, but people who I mean I read that somewhere and then as I in my forties like dramatically started to cut down on drinking
0: mm-hmm.
1: I I can notice now like that people who give you a hard time they just have a problem drinking. Why else are you making them uncomfortable? Why would you care? Like, I don't ever care if someone drinks or doesn't drink. I did, though, when I used to drink too much. Sure. I did. Those people weren't fun. I didn't want to stand with them at the party because they might notice that I was drinking too much. Like, that's why. Mm. I don't know that I ever gave someone a hard time for not drinking, but I know that I was like, oh, they don't drink. Like, they're going to be, you know? Like, I. so I've been that person. Oh, for I sure. i who finds other people not drinking very threatening. But the fatty liver is interesting because I think that hot flashes and a lot of, I think, I think we'll find when there's enough research 20 years down the road that a lot of this actually might have to do with the liver. I mean, I think a lot of the perimenopause and menopause problems that we're having, one theory is that it's like an evolutionary mismatch. Yep. Like someone will say, oh, well, we used to not live past 50. So now we're going through menopause for the first time, which is not true. Because if you made right. it past 50, you could live to 70 or 80. If you made it past, child, you know, the, there was like a infant mortality problem. We've always gone through menopause. Animals go through menopause. But I think maybe some of the things now, the the burdens we put our livers under through um, not just drinking, smoking, coffee, over-the-counters, stuff that's really hard on your liver.
0: And a lot well, of, like, prescription that, drugs, too.
1: Oh, God. All yeah. drugs. So many people are taking sleeping pills and Xanax and... I mean, air pollution, uh, toxins in your personal care products, toxins in your foods, um, all the sorts of all those sorts of things taking taking like antihistamines, like all of these things around us, I think, could be making it more difficult. Oh, and that's that theory of this evolutionary mismatch.
0: i sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. The lady's name is Karen Hurd. She's the protocol. She's the bean protocol. Karen Karen Hurd. It just came to me. Thank goodness. She's like fantastic. But yeah, so, okay. Bottom line, let's like, tell me what's, what's your biggest piece of advice for someone who's in the space questioning their sanity, maybe going through menopause, you know, uh, accepting who they are. You know, the Lisa Laflamme's of the world showing up with gray hair. Lisa Laflamme is a news anchor here in Ottawa or in CTV News Canada. I think she's in Ottawa mm-hmm. who came back from summer break with gray hair and got fired. And because she looked old, like what the hell? What what's your biggest piece of advice for women going through these changes? To feel normal.
1: Oh, my biggest piece of advice is figure out however you can value, appreciate, like, and possibly love yourself Mm. because it's the root of absolutely everything. And there are way too many people walking around with shame, with feelings that there's something wrong with them, feeling like whatever happened to them, you know, made them Broken. Um, and if you can figure that out, then you will, you have, like, it just sounds so cheesy and lame to say, like, love yourself. But when you accept yourself, then it's all fine. Like, and things have changed dramatically in my life. And I have, you know, it's interesting because our mutual friend Amber, I was going away with her right before I moved to Abu Dhabi and I was telling her some story about dating. And it was basically infused with this idea that I had that there was something wrong with me, which is why I never couldn't ever have a relationship last and get to marriage and whatever. And I remember we're like driving in the dark, and she said, "How long have you been like this?" <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't think this is a normal way to be. Like I don't think. And she really started me on. Like I always tell her that thing she said to me in the car, ten years younger than me, so smart, just made me think you know, and so I did, I've done a lot of work. Like I took a self-sabotage course. I've been to been getting at it. Yeah. But if you appreciate and accept yourself, like nothing else is going to work if you don't do that. So, you know, and, and the fear we have of aging and the fear we have of like, yeah, I don't love it either. I don't love like my sun damage on my face. I don't love that I'm getting little gray hairs and that I have, um, wrinkles, but, I really took a deep dive on this when COVID happened because I also had some more time and I lost some, lost some jobs. And so mm-hmm. I started taking courses. I took all of Mark, I went to Mark Groves University. You've spoken to him.
0: Oh, I love him.
1: I went to his, you know, basically I took every course that he has.
0: Amazing. <laughs> it
1: made such a difference. Like
0: That's huge. It change everything. It's huge yeah. because really, ultimately, our brains are just hijacked with this fear And we can't see it. And we're in denial that we've been hijacked. And once we like lift the veil, it's like, holy shit, I'm a fantastic specimen. There is nothing wrong with me. I was never broken. I just had this idea that I attach meaning to. And that is the way most people live their life. And when you say, when someone says, oh menopause, when you identify as someone going through menopause and they like associate some negative word to it, it's like, that's who I am. And we like create this meaning behind it, which is total bullshit because we just keep getting hijacked. And it's like, get back into your body and into your mind and, and ask yourself the right questions and keep being curious and try new things and see what feels good for you and fuck everyone else. Like, honestly, (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah I know like fuck
0: that like yeah
1: fuck this notion that there's something wrong
0: so, yes and I
1: just think all of the discussion about and people are so focused on skincare what's your skincare What you make up
0: I know, and I like, yes, oh I know.
1: And it's part of it it's all very interesting it's all compelling hormone mm-hmm. therapy is a big discussion I'm very interested in longevity all of it but none of it matters if you're walking around not inhabiting your space on this earth boom and so it's 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 that's the soul journey. I call it a hero's journey because you are called to figure out exactly why you're here, and it will take a long time. It's taken me since thirty seven, and I'm still doing it. But mm-hmm. um, everything has changed in the last couple of years. I like I just on um, my love life. Like I've dated more interesting people. I've attracted cooler people. I I I haven't dated anyone that's even my age. Everyone's younger. I tell them I'm doing this menopause thing. They don't care. They think it's great. Like yeah like I have not had the problems I had when I was younger dating where I was dating guys who were like jerks and you know like it's just something else when you do it and and you I've heard people say this and I always thought, oh, that's for other people, but it's like once you start,
0: yeah you
1: start you look at every part of your life. so I just think that's what, that's what this time of life is about. That's why we have to go through this. It's mm. a transition, it's an upgrade. things get messy. And the physical stuff is hard, but I get upset when people focus on the physical stuff too much. I get upset about people focusing on the physical stuff too much because, you know, people like to do that and then not think about the other stuff. It's all there. It's all something that we need to do.
0: And it's never too late to start. You just got to start. Just start. Just do it.
1: Start. And by the way, like most women who have gone through this who've dealt with their stuff you see some really happy women some really peaceful Mm -hmm. you can just tell like this is why I say it's this is going somewhere good I always say that because when I meet a woman who's 60 is just like in herself you know doing what she wants to do she's jazzed she's they're very young lifelike like very youthful youthful very excited very doing new things like it's it's a really good time and also can be kind of a crappy time <laughs> it's
0: all the things. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking about this. Controversial, trying to be non-controversial, normalizing, just have two women having conversations about our lives and our bodies and what we're going through in such like a fun way. You make it fun, you make it interesting. And I love that, you know, you don't have all the answers and yeah. no one really has all the answers. And it's not like this linear road that we have to be on all the time. It's like this thing that we're normalizing. I love that. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for talking about it.
0: Thank you. <laughs> and I'm going to keep following you and all the links to all your shit's going to be in the show notes. I don't know why I just swore there, but it was funny. All right. <laughs> all the shit. All shit. Well, have all the links? Thank you so much. Okay, I'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. If you haven't done so yet, I'd love for you to share the love and head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify and give this show a five-star rating. That's right, five stars. You got this. And if you're looking for more, head over to ElisaUnfilteredCoaching.com for show notes and all the links to all things Elisa Unfiltered. Have the best, day, everyone. Until next time.